Well, welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Of course, here is Shane Bishop, and my name is Mike Wooten. We are glad that you're joining us for the show today. Of course, with our podcast, we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Of course, you can find this wherever podcasts are found, Navigating Change with Shane and Mike, Podbeam, uh, what do we got? Apple Podcasts, anywhere. You can search for us, subscribe, write a review, share it with your friends. Give it to anyone who wants to or needs help navigating the changes that they're going through. Now today, we have a podcast where we're going to talk about four theological viruses floating around today. It's from a uh, post that Shane put on his professional page, Rev. Shane L. Bishop on Facebook. You're going to want to check this out. This got a little bit of traction. A little bit. We got a little bit of traction, so we're going to talk about that today. Before we do that, I need to check in with Shane Bishop. Shane, how are you today? You know what, Mike? I'm doing very, you, very You look well. good. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I think it's just uh, a combination of um, tanning what beds. What are you doing? Tanning beds? Gyms. Okay. No, none of that's true. <laughs> I don't do any of that. No, I know no you don't. Botox. Yeah. Uh, yeah, none of that either. Yeah. No, we're just, we're just leaning into it, man. We're just letting it come. But so far... Yeah. So good. Feel, feeling good. I'm healthy. Lost about 40 pounds last year. Uh, Let's, hey, do you feel a lot? Uh, that's a silly question. Do you feel a lot different? No. Though? Oh, not better. No. no you if you want to be happy, man, eat a whole pizza. You know, <laughs> knock down like six scoops of ice cream if yeah. you want to be happy. Yeah. Now, if you want to look good, you're going you're gonna to have to do a different set of things, Mike. <laughs> So, no, I look good, felt better then. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad you're looking good. Feeling, why, why, thank you. Feeling okay. Feeling feeling about the same. <laughs> okay. I, I feel just, better when I look in the mirror. How's that? Okay, well, there you go. That's good. Uh, all right. Let's move to the content today. So, Shane, you said there's four theological ver- uh, viruses that you see floating around today that concern you. What kind of concerns do you have as we start out today? Well, I think if you read the Pauline letters... Um, you know, there, there's always encouragement to the churches, but there's also warning. And a lot of these warnings in, in Paul's day were, were things like Gnosticism and, and all of that type of thing. And so as I just sort of look around in um, U.S. Uh, America, ecclesiastical landscape, uh, I, I just was kind of identifying some things that I was singing, that I was hearing that just concerned me. And, I, and this isn't one of those things where, you know, I'm coming out and, and getting a sandwich board and, and walking up <laughs> and down the street. Yeah. But these are just some things I'm seeing, and they concern me. And like you said, I, I posted them on my professional page, uh, and the thing just kind of went, really, it, it went quite viral for Facebook. You know, some mediums, uh, WordPress can go unbelievably viral. Yeah. Uh, some of the uh, reels and, and YouTubes can go unbelievably yeah. viral. Facebook's a little more limited, were, but it really did catch. Were other people identifying these two as you said them? I think people were connecting. Okay. And some people added some. Obviously, there would be a lot of people who... Uh, you know, would disagree, probably some sure. vehemently, yes. but they've all unfriended me already. So I really don't, uh, I, I hate to say I don't care much about that, but I, I really don't. Okay, good deal. So I, I know you think that these have wide appeal? Yes, they do. That's part of the concern. Okay. You know, Paul's concern wasn't that 
horrible ideas sounded horrible. Yeah. His concern was that horrible ideas sounded great. Mm-hmm. And so I see in all four of these viruses, I see why they appeal to people. I, I just flat out can. Yeah. And I can see why people would embrace them because a lot of times it's what people want to think. It's just not what the Bible says. Sure. And then my concern is that um, it, it'll serve people poorly in the long run. Right. So the, with you saying that, at first it seemed maybe they feel like they're going somewhere with kind of these viruses get in. They feel good about themselves for a little bit, but sure. long game, not good. Yeah. It, it's it's sort of like cutting corners when you build a house. You know, the house looks fine mm-hmm. until it gets a little bit of wear. Until the foundation starts getting cattywampus. Is that a word that you guys used in northern Illinois, cattywampus? Yeah, I right. know that one. Yeah, so, you know, when the when the storms hit, when the yeah. tornadoes come, when the hurricanes blow, man, that's when you find out that your house isn't built very well. So th- a lot of these things are mm-hmm. going to be just fine until until things get pressurized, and, and then they're just going to collapse. All right, Shane, what is the first virus that you've identified? This idea that God exists for us. The idea is that God's function is to make us happy, give us what we want, make all of our dreams come true. I, I truly get the appeal of making God a, a means to worldly prosperity. But I really think if you look at the gospel message of Christ, it stands antithetical to that notion. I mean, Jesus taught that true happiness is found in submitting our dreams for ourselves to the dream of God for us. He taught that we live by dying to self. We become great by serving. Our lives are defined by what we give away and not what we have. In fact, Jesus kind of really warned that until the material, the grip of material things is broken in our lives, all we're going to do is, is have an existence of anxiety and worry, which I think is the diametrical opposite of happiness and joy. So, so my concern is that, that I want to be clear. God does not exist for us. We exist for God. God is not a means to our ends of worldly prosperity. God is an ends in himself. Well, that's not a very invitational message. How did Jesus get by with that? I don't know. I'll never get a TV show. I mean, that's that's clear, Mike. My chances of just the first virus, there's zero chance I will ever get a TV show. It's out. Gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, And the reality is Jesus didn't go over horribly well. You know, everybody says they want to be like Jesus, and I'll always say, okay, so you're a pastor. You want to be like Jesus. I sure do. Fantastic. You want a three-year ministry and die on a cross. <laughs> yeah. You know, Fred Craddock, my preaching professor, he, he used to say, say, you know, you you go preach and get involved and, and people love you. He said, you start preaching the gospel, they'll run you out of town. I love that. I think you and I talked about a few years ago about really good preaching steps on uh, toes on kind of both sides of the aisle, if you will. Absolutely. You know? uh, and and I've seen you do that several times, but it's so beautiful because the gospel still has this love and this grace. But gosh, there was a push that happens with it as well. You know, Shane, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about this is that the Bible talks about sharing in his glory. Mm-hmm. We share in Christ's glory. That's awesome. And we get to do that but we also get the privilege of sharing in his sufferings. We don't preach that too often. We really don't. I mean, yeah. you don't you don't walk out of a uh, big box store and walk by the tiny little Christian section and see a pamphlet called Perfect. Sharing in the Sufferings of Christ. I mean, nobody's picking that up on their way out. Oh, yeah. All right, Shane, what's the second virus that you've identified? This notion that Christian people should spend their lives waiting for some great thing God may ask of them. So, so the idea 
that, that a lot of people have is, is you say no to the good in hopes of the very, very best. And I get the appeal of the notion because a lot of people are just worn out and, and discouraged and you got charity volunteers that are just beat up and worn out. But I just don't think the Bible supports the, the premise. When people uh, remove themselves from just the grind of regular service and wait on a burning bush, I think it. I think we do well to remind people that only happened once in the history right. of humanity, and it seems like a bad play yeah. if that's what you're waiting on. And, and I just wonder if you're just going to end up wasting your life waiting on this great thing while a hundred good things are, are coming past you every single day. Yeah, yesterday I was thinking uh, I just went to a church, visited a church uh, up in Granger, Indiana, and you wanted me to talk to you just a little bit about what I learned, if there's anything I could share with you. And I was going to do this report, this long report, and present it to you. And we've talked about that fast. It's a strength of mine sometimes, I think, getting a lot of thoughts together and presenting them. But we've also talked in the past, sometimes you just got to get to it. Just get at it. I started to do this report, and I said, you know what? I think it's probably best that Shane and I talk about this now, and I scheduled a meeting with you. And you mentioned something striking when the iron is hot is what you said yesterday. And I thought, you know what? That's exactly what we need to do. It was on my mind. You were curious about it. By the time, if I waited a few days and got this beautiful report together, we may have moved on to the next. Yeah, I may not have even been interested enough to read it, Mike. But sitting down while the, the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a great discussion. Yeah. Uh, I thought we came up with some action sure. items, and, and that was the kind of thing. So sometimes we, we wait thinking we're going to do something great, and and we pass up the opportunity to do something perfectly good. So in my mind, the Bible teaches that, you know, if you want to, the path to doing great things is to be faithful in, in small things. Yeah. So I'm convinced that the true greatness of a person is is not defined in a single heroic act, mm-hmm. but but in the grind of daily faithfulness and, and obedience to God. So I don't think burning bush moments or for such a time as this moments are the inheritance of those sequestered in wait. So if you hope God will use you to do one big thing, I would just say be faithful in all things small. Yeah. I think there's a lot right and not a thing wrong with living a simple life of love and faithfulness and obedience and realizing maybe the great thing you do yeah. is just an amalgamation of small things that you do over the course of your life. I've been spending a little bit of time lately of learning different personality types and how there's kind of thinkers and there's doers, right? Yeah. And you're both. You are a thinker and a doer. Uh, and I do think there may be someone out there who thinks and dreams and all that, and that's beautiful. What maybe? What does God want me to do? But if they uh, can't get a little fire underneath them, they yeah. need to get around someone who has yeah. that fire underneath yeah. them, a doer, and that will probably get them in a rhythm just uh-huh. to start being faithful in these small things, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and you know, Mike, uh, sometimes people will say, you know, they'll look at Christ Church and they'll say, "Boy, you must have a lot of vision." And I'm sitting there thinking, I know tons of pastors that have more vision than I do. I know tons of pastors that are serving in a town of 500 and they've got this vision that their church is going to run 80,000. I mean, they got tons of vision, man. Uh, For me, I I guess my vision is always be faithful to what's in front of me and go where it takes you. So 
I, I never drew up a master plan when I arrived at Christ Church in 1997, you know, 23 steps to becoming a mega church. It was never that. It was sort of God saying to do this, and I did it. And then God said, do this, and I did it. And then God said, do this, and I missed it. And the next one I hit. But it's it's a process for me. It's not a master plan. And it's not this idea that I sit in my office and do nothing until God gives me the master plan. I think the plan, a lot of times, just get up out of your stinking chair and do what God pings you to do. Do what God prompts you to do. When you add all that up, yeah. you're not only headed the right direction, you may be surprised uh, at uh, what a body of work you do actually amass. All right, Shane, let's move to our third virus. What is the third virus you've identified? That there are Christians out there who truly believe they are suddenly smarter than anyone else who has ever read the Bible. <laughs> now, like these other uh, viruses, this is nothing new. I mean, the prosperity gospel cycles in and out of American history. The reason it cycles in is because it's attractive. The reason it cycles out is because it doesn't work. So a generation will buy into it and then they will see it fails. And then the next generation doesn't, and then they'll reboot it. Huh. So such enlightenment, and I think that's really kind of what we get at, this this idea that, that there are some people out there who are abnormally enlightened. Yeah, I think it's historically short-lived. I don't think it ever serves the Christian faith well. Mm -hmm. So what I'm seeing right now is kind of a shift from what I would say classic liberalism. Uh, in liberalism, you know, this kind of idea was the Bible is wrong. Well, that didn't really work because no matter what you think, the Bible's still going to be shining like a new dime when you're pushing daisies, man. And so the, the Bible is just going to hold. So the idea that the Bible's wrong didn't work. So I think the focus in modern times has been uh, we've all been reading the Bible wrong, everybody. So I think these pseudo theologians begin with culturally popular outcomes and then they steer the Bible in their direction with the game of what I'm going to call eisegetical gymnastics. And, and it would be comical if so many people weren't taking it seriously. And, and I think the harm will not be to the Bible. It will be our culture that's harmed and the church in our time that's harmed because we're going to lose our power, we're going to lose our witness, and we're going to lose our critique. So for me, these folks are creating God in their own image. Mm -hmm. It will not stand. It never has. We'll all be the worse for it. So my default is if the clear and consistent teachings of the Bible are in conflict with my way of thinking, it's me that stands in error. I don't need to go back to the Bible and find yeah. how I can somehow make twist and turn and shape and mold the Bible to fit what I think. Right. Because the Bible is there to, to shape and uh, shape us, right? And I do think sometimes, Shane, when people read the Bible, they are shocked that they are going to be pushed against. I love watching uh, kind of, you'll see clips online of these, uh, you know, sporting events where there's a fight and there will be some pompous fighter who thinks nothing will happen and they'll get caught yeah. with a punch. Even a White Sox player yeah, a couple weeks that. ago yeah. fighting. I'm not condoning exactly what happened, but he really started to fight with another player and he got knocked unconscious for a few seconds. And I, I think people are missing that the Bible is also meant to shove against us at times. And uh, there was one time, I'll give a quick story, when I was all, I was like 18, 19, 20, really, you know, what a, a young person would be considered on fire for Jesus. And I was really trying to share Christ with everyone I could. Sure. 
Uh, and I felt so good about it. I knew God was using me. I was in a men's Bible study late one Sunday night, and there's a scripture, uh, I think it's in Peter, first or second Peter, and it talks about someone who doesn't care for their family members is worse than an unbeliever. And I mm-hmm. had a family member that I just didn't care about. Yeah. And I got so quiet. Mm-hmm. I knew that the Bible was pushing up against yeah. me in that moment. But I felt like I got caught with a punch there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at times... The Bible is going to do that. Why? So we can be more like Christ, and it's going to be for our betterment in the long long haul. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And one thing I've seen is a lot of people, uh, even people who grew up in church, are, are functionally biblically illiterate. They, they think they know what's in there, and they have no idea what's in there. And then the other thing I found is when you introduce some people to the Bible, it makes them mad. It makes them mad because what they thought just simply isn't in there. Right. And so I, I think the key here is, you know, and, and I'm a big proponent. There, there needs to be something in every church where you're taking journeys through books of the Bible verse by verse. Mm. Because when you go verse by verse, you can't, uh, you can't escape mm. anything. You, you have to deal with all of yeah. it. And even as a conservative theologian, which I am, there are things in the Bible that push against me at times. Yeah. I have to deal with those too. Yeah. And so for me, an honest place to start a theological task is just by knowing the Bible. And when we get a generation of people who say, no, 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 you've been reading the Bible wrong, what they're honestly saying almost every time is the Bible as it's been read does not line up with my politics. Mm. So we need to somehow get the Bible to better line up. And I, I just think it's a loser's play. I think it'll serve no one well. And I hate to say it, but when we're all dead and gone, yeah. uh, the Bible's still going to be there, man. It doesn't honor the past generations who put in this great work to yeah. follow God and to get some you know, theological constructs and, and help us with the Bible today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a arrogance to it. Yeah. All right, let's move. Final virus, Shane, that you've identified. What is that for us today? Oh, boy, this is this is the one that goes over terrible. <laughs> that God is somehow aligned with your political party. What are you talking about? Hold on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, viewing theology through a political lens is straight up dangerous. Uh, God isn't a Democrat. And God isn't a Republican. God also isn't an American. God is way bigger than all that. Shrinking God to the size of a voting booth is idolatry. So I think we have to retrain ourselves to view politics through a theological lens. And Shane, you know, I know you love America. You, you. I'm as patriotic as are. the day is. I, I know, fly a flag every do. day in front of our cabin. But this has to be said, right? Uh, you know, for me, I want the Bible to inform my politics, not my politics to inform the way I read the Bible. One of the things that tickles me, Shane, is seeing these videos of politicians that have been in the game for a long time, from 10 or 20 years ago. They have a view that they are passionate about. People are just rallying around them. Now you'll see a video with the exact opposite yeah. stand. Yeah. It is amazing to me, but I do think it, for me, uh, it shows some caution that we should that and, and may, it's kind of so makes us um, it's sobering because we better be careful where we just jump on with the politician with the stance because they're just kind of going with the feelings of the people and the times they're not staying 
they're not staying true to any type of biblical value. Yeah, and, and so often, rather than respond to a clear set of core values, mm. uh, people just go out every day and see which way the wind's blowing. You know, and it's a really poor way to lead because, first of all, you're going to look manic as a leader. You know, I, I wonder, and, and I could never be a modern politician because I could never blame other people for everything. And then when something happens on my watch, not take responsibility for any of it. You know, I, I could never be a modern politician. But uh, when it comes to this alignment issue, uh, I wonder sometimes if these politicians do look at their videos from 20 years ago and, and think, you know, what happened to me? I, I stood here. Now I, I'm standing there. And, and some people say, well, they, they grew. Not necessarily. A lot of people grow stupid. I, I know a lot of people who've just grown stupid. And so <laughs> the other thing I think about a lot in, in light of what you said, Mike, is this whole genre. There's less of it now, but the ex-evangelical genre. You okay. know what I mean? So what they did with evangelical, they took a word that oh, that okay. was common, but almost nobody knew what it meant. Yeah. Then the detractors of evangelicalism redefined yeah. the word. And basically it means every horrible thing yes. now, right? Yes. And then they began to apply that in a pejorative yes. way. Yep. Then what happened is now all these people are coming out and they were writing all these books. And it's, it's like the latest ex-evangelical book. Now, this evangelicalism invite some serious critique. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I believe the theology behind evangelicalism is sound and biblically mm -hmm. based. And so for me, the last thing the world needs is another, I was an evangelical. Because what really happens there is you end up not, we used to say you end up throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but you end up throwing out a lot of good theology because there's bad actors out yeah. there. And rather than be honest and say those bad actors are a fraction of a percent, yeah. no, no, they now define everything. Yeah. And so these are the kind of things that I really believe uh, in the same sense they align God to their political party. Now that same kind of alignment goes with conservatives, progressives, and all those kind of things. And, and my point is simply that God is bigger than all of yeah. that. And when you start attacking things, now, if things are sinful and demonic, yes. let's attack them. Yes. But when you start attacking things just to get them to align with your politics, I think you just do damage to the witness of Christ. We need some type of like holy suspension before we jump into politics, I think, or before we jump on with a politician. Okay, Shane, do you have any concluding thoughts for us today? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, if you see God simply as a means to your ends, to the ends of your bank account moving up and to the right, I think you're missing a point. And if you're sitting around doing nothing in the midst of infinite opportunities to serve Jesus, I think you're missing a point. And if you think the Bible is something to twist and shape into your way of thinking, I think you're missing a point. And if you think the kingdom of God will be ushered in through the next election, you're really missing <laughs> the point. I believe that contentment is found in sacrifice, calling in obedience. Truth is found in God's word, and the kingdom will come through absolute obedience to Jesus Christ, period. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Like I said earlier, love for you. Subscribe, review, share our podcast anywhere where podcasts are found. 
Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Check that out. Thank you again for joining us and make sure that you keep the change.